Can you give us a station ID? They'll kill me if I don't, I don't ask. I'd hate to see you killed. This is Steve Robinson, temporarily back on Earth, in Davis on KDVS 90.3. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We are quite sad to note uh, last weekend of, about the passing of Senator Eugene McCarthy. We, of course, spoke with the now late senator uh, on our program, I believe it was on May 27th, 2004. And uh, we're going to excerpt a bit of that interview uh, for you in our second segment today and, and talk with our general manager about a visit that he and I made to the senator's uh, retirement home in Washington, D.C. in uh, the summer of 2004, uh, not so long after we spoke to him on the phone. We'll also talk about uh, the obituaries for two notable black Americans, that of Richard Pryor, who also passed away last weekend, and of course one that's been in the news a great deal, the execution death of Tukey Williams. We'll talk about that probably in our third segment. Let's start with a quote of the day today. In fact, we'll do three quotes of the day, which I noticed off a t-shirt, um, a t-shirt that my late father purchased over in Hawaii when we made a family trip there back in the late 90s. And I took a look at it and noted that, you know, uh, these are some pretty good rules. These were Hawaiian rules. I guess you can judge, listener, which one uh, of the three you like the best, but, you know, I like them all. Okay? First one. The best things in life aren't things. The second one? Tell the truth. There's less to remember. And finally, there are two ways to be rich. Make more or desire less. If you've ever been to Hawaii, I think you would agree that the Hawaiians probably do uh, use uh, those rules to guide their behavior, and, um, you know, they're pretty good ones. On this date in history, December 15th, 1488, Bartholomew Diaz returns to Portugal after becoming the first European to sail around the Cape of Good Hope. This is at, of course, the southern tip of Africa. His voyage uh, opened the trade route to India as those followed him, uh, notably Vasco da Gama, rounded the Cape and went on to India, opening up a trade route. Unfortunately for the Portuguese, a, a lunatic Italian with some faulty ideas about the size of the world got to the Queen of Spain, who bankrolled three ships which accidentally ran into the New World. This uh, did not open up the trade route to the Indies, as Columbus promised, but probably made the Spanish a lot more rich from all the looting and pillaging they were able to do among the, uh, the Aztec and Inca populations here in the New World. On this date in 1989, a popular uprising resulted in the downfall of the dictator of Romania, Nicolae Ceausescu. In lieu of a joke of the day, I think I'll start with uh, two items which are maybe the irony of the day. I don't know whether this is irony or a joke or what this is, but it was noted in New Scientist magazine that the Nikon D70 digital camera contained in its user's manual the following advice. 
When operating the diopter adjustment control with your eye to the viewfinder, care should be taken not to put your finger in your eye accidentally. <laughs> but the magazine notes, it gets even better. <laughs> For customers in the state of California, they read the following. Warning, handling the cord of this product will expose you to lead, a chemical known to the state of California to cause birth defects or other reproductive harm. Wash hands after handling, which caused new scientists to add, oh, and if you don't live in California, well, don't bother. Which I think must compete with the following item. Dateline Harare, Zimbabwe. This is from a week ago. Widespread power outages struck Zimbabwe on Tuesday, blocking out much of President Robert Mugabe's State of the Nation address, in which he promised to address the country's chronic electricity shortage. Let's do a little bit of our good week four, bad week four section, shall we? All right, combining a couple of recent issues of The Week magazine, we would note that they noted that it was a good week for the old-fashioned way recently after a gang of thieves used a cart pulled by a donkey to elude four police cars for over an hour in the narrow, winding streets of Patras, Greece. That same week, however, apparently was judged a bad week for deja vu after a man who was struck in the head by a New York subway train three years ago as he peered impatiently into the tunnel was struck in the head by a commuter train as he peered impatiently down the track. The magazine noted that Parker T. Hall Hautaling, 23, said he doesn't remember much about either incident. All right, they noted the week after that, I guess this would be this, the, the week of December 9th, at least the magazine issue of December 9th, they noted it was a good week for going the extra yard. After a man ran onto the field during a Philadelphia Eagles football game and scattered his mom's ashes around the 30-yard line. I know right now she's absolutely smiling down at me, said Chip Noteboom, 44, after his arrest. And although, you know, one can't argue that the war in Iraq has been bad for everyone, the week noted that it was a bad week for wretched excess after a wealthy defense contractor named David H. Brooks, spent $10 million on his daughter's bat mitzvah at the Rainbow Room in Manhattan, for which he hired Tom Petty, Aerosmith, and rapper 50 Cent to perform. Apparently, 50 Cent rapped, Go shorty, it's your bat mitzvah, and we're gonna party like it's your bat mitzvah. And I was going to hold these for next week's show, but I just can't resist. Uh, the December 16th issue judged it a good week for grace under pressure after an Austrian bank teller told a robber claiming to have a bomb that she, quote, didn't deal with those types of inquiries and referred him to another window. But by far my favorite out of all of these, that same week was judged a bad week for 
the mood in the showers. After a woman was removed from a Peruvian men's jail where he had spent a month pretending to be a man. Despite a conclusive medical exam, accused robber Carla Aguilera continues to insist she belongs in the men's facility. All right, on our choice for the local good, bad, and ugly, the good would be the article in this week's, or I guess it's this month's, Comstock magazine about hot high-tech, uh, subtitled Fusion, Genetically Modified Crops and Nanotechnology in Our Neck of the Woods, written by Jeff Hudson. Jeff, of course, uh, uh, does entertainment features on Capital Public Radio and is sometimes found right here in the booth spinning discs for KDVS. In fact, I, I ran into Jeff uh, doing exactly that during during our last interim. Uh, good man, Mr. Hudson. Good article. Hope you can read it. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. Considerably less interesting, and what we would say uh, would be definitely coming out of the bad file, is the fact that uh, I received a correspondence from our good friends at the Cal Aggie Alumni Association last week. This was an offer offering up to 20% off on Liberty Mutual's already competitive rates on auto and home insurance. An accompanying message from our friends at the Aggie Alumni Association said, We're always on the lookout for valuable savings opportunities and benefits for our alumni. So when we found an insurance company that would offer exclusive discounts to you, we just had to pass on the news. Don't you hate it when organizations you join take it upon themselves to sell your name to marketers? I do hope the Cal Aggie Alumni Association will not do this in the future. And from the ugly file, we have the feedback section of last Sunday's Sacramento Bee. The public editor, Armando Acuna, had the following to say, and I hope that you listeners of this program uh, will respond to this in your own way. If you don't agree with this, I, th I hope that you will uh, get busy and, and, and do some writing. Writing about the Valerie Plame case, Armando Acuna said, hundreds of thousands of words have been written. Political and media blogs and websites have been awash with news of the investigation and corresponding partisan recriminations, media criticism, and conspiratorial paranoia. For months, I've waited for the bees readers to weigh in, to offer their insights and analysis, to make accusations, to simply raise questions and indulge their curiosity as they do over just about anything in the news. I'm still waiting. In what amounts to group disconnect, readers simply don't seem to care. The story has no traction for them. I will wager that most of you listening to this program, uh, Radio Parallax, are also B-readers. Uh, we have had Joseph Wilson on this program twice. We've covered this issue at some length. We think it's extremely important. While I'm sure that many of you agree with that position, uh, they're not getting that message over at the Sacramento Bee. So please, please, if, if you feel that uh, this is an important issue, I hope you'll take the time and contact the public editor at the Bee. If the, uh, if the Sacramento Bee gets the message that the public out there couldn't care less about this issue, chances are they're not going to devote a lot of time covering it. Uh, we, we really genuinely think that would be a mistake. And if you agree, please let your voice be heard. Feel free while you're at it to mention that there is at least one media outlet around that is covering the story. That'd be us here at KDVS. All right, and news from down under that, that shocked me. I don't know if you noticed, but there's apparently been full-fledged uh, racial-fueled violence down in Sydney. 
What struck me about it was that uh, this apparently was going on in the suburb of Cronulla. When I stayed in Sydney, Australia back in 1988, I found myself uh, spending many days in Cronulla, which, which strikes me as an exceedingly unlikely place for scenes of racial violence. Uh, back in 1988, my, my then Australian girlfriend even just made fun of Cronulla for being <laughs> such a place where nothing happens. Well, things are happening now, apparently. Uh, racial tensions have been simmering within a primarily Anglo-Saxon community against people of Middle Eastern descent for some time. Reports stated that federal liberal backbencher Bruce Baird said many locals were angry, uh, particularly after six women from the area were killed in the 2002 Bali bombings. Asked if the riots were revenge for Bali on September 11th, Mr. Baird said, I think so. So it would appear that, uh, you know, certain uh, skinhead-related groups, white supremacist groups down in Australia, are, uh, are also missing the target on who's to blame for things like the Bali bombings and September 11th. Apparently 20 were injured and 16 arrested as, uh, as, as violence spread into Sydney's beachside suburbs uh, last week. I should remind you that uh, such numbers uh, don't seem like much by American standards, but it, it shocks people in Australia and New Zealand when such violence erupts. Remember when I was in New Zealand uh, about that same time, back in the late 80s, they were still talking about uh, a robbery that had gone wrong and someone had gotten killed, someone had gotten shot, that was, during the robbery. They were still talking about this event like 10 months later. Community leaders down in Sydney are convening to see what they can do to prevent further violence. And uh, speaking of attacking the wrong people, uh, Taking a look over the situation in Iraq, it was noted that Ayad Alawi, the former president of the country over there, of the interim government anyway, noted that there is ever-increasing uh, ever resentment in the Iraqi populace over foreign troops still on Iraqi soil. And uh, Ahmed Chalabi, remember him? The current oil minister over in Iraq, the guy that fed the administration what it wanted to hear in terms of bogus information about so-called weapons of mass destruction. Uh, Ahmed Chalabi, uh, having a falling out with the U.S. government, allowed him to present himself to suspicious Iraqis as something other than an American pawn. He's uh, made a political comeback and certainly has his eyes on the leadership of the nation. And, and, and amazingly, astoundingly, at this point in time, he can't be ruled out. And you may have noticed that the Bush administration is now going on the offensive. Uh, President Bush admitted uh, for the first time that, uh, well, they, they were apparently wrong about those weapons of mass destruction. Edward Epstein, writing for the Chronicle from the Washington Bureau, noted that, uh, that for the first time in a formal appearance, the president put a number on the toll of Iraqis, saying 30,000 Iraqis, more or less, have died as a result of the initial incursion and the ongoing violence against Iraqis. We've lost about 2,140 of our troops in Iraq. Reputable international sources have put the toll at closer to 100,000 for some time now, and I would say that if the administration is admitting to 30, this lends a lot of credence to the possibility that uh, we're into six figures in terms of Iraqi deaths in this ill-advised war. 
The intelligence report of Parade magazine noted last Sunday that veteran journalists uh, are so frustrated by the White House's control of information that they're turning to paid lobbyists as their confidential sources because access to White House officials is so tightly controlled. Earlier this month, writing in the New York Times, Eric Schmidt noted that the military had acknowledged in a briefing for a ranking Senate Republican that news articles written by American troops had been placed as paid advertisements in Iraqi news media and they were not always properly identified as such. I love the comment from Senator John Warner of Virginia who heads the Senate Armed Services Committee. He told reporters after receiving the briefing that, well, there's no indication that the paid propaganda had been false. And I would draw your attention to yesterday's Sacramento Bee article by Matt Kelly writing for USA Today. I'll just quote from it. Washington, a $300 million Pentagon psychological warfare operation includes plans for placing pro-American messages in foreign media outlets without disclosing the U.S. government as the source. That's according to a military official in charge of the program. Run by psychological warfare experts at the U.S. Special Operations Command, the worldwide media campaign is being touted as designed to counter terrorist ideology and sway foreign audiences to support American policies. When 1984 came around, a lot of people uh, cited the fact that we had not achieved uh, the Orwellian future uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, appeared in the pages of Orwell's classic back in 1948. They may have been a little premature. Uh, Bush is going on the offensive because two-thirds of Americans now disapprove of his handling of the Iraqi war. And we would note that Democratic U.S. Congressman Jack Murtha, who has been long acknowledged as the voice of the military in Congress, has become the name of disapproval. Murtha has said that waiting for democracy is not a plan. Murtha, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, has noted that we went in with inadequate forces and didn't have the appropriate people and the right jobs, and consequently we lost the support of the Iraqi people. When you lose the support in a guerrilla war, you can't win it. Mao Zedong said years ago, according to Murtha, you've got to have the will of the people in order to win a guerrilla war. I am fascinated by this, this quoting of Mao Zedong. He did write the book on how to fight a guerrilla war. In uh, the classic 1958 novel, The Ugly American, it was explained how fighting a war, according to Mao's textbook, might succeed in Vietnam. Interestingly, uh, they were discussing in that book the failures of the French to counter the efforts of, uh, of the rebellion uh, uh, of the Viet Cong and how it failed. Uh, curiously, we then went on to make all of the same mistakes the French did in the 1960s. Murtha noted in an interview with Chris Matthews that 80% of the people in Iraq want us out, and, 40, and this, is what, this is startling, 45% say it's justified to kill Americans. We'd like to thank uh, Jerry for the email he sent us uh, last month, noting that uh, <laughs> this, is, this is sad. November 16, 2005, John Kerry told Wolf Blitzer he changed his Iraqi vote, knowing what he does today. On August 9th, 2004, at the height of his campaign, Kerry stood by his yes vote on the Iraqi war. Jerry asked, so what's changed? We knew in August 2004 that Bush had lied. We knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. We knew the Niger forgeries were forgeries. We had a pretty good idea that Bush and company had outed Valerie Wilson. 
Jerry said, I hate to be a cynic, but could this have anything to do with it? Citing a CNN USA Today poll in response to the question, all in all, do you think it was worth going to war in Iraq or not? Worth going to war? July 2004, 47%. Currently, 38%. Not worth going to war. July 2004, 50%. Currently, 60%. Yeah, we'd have to say that John Kerry, like an awful lot of Democrats, uh, could have spoken up uh, uh, when it when it would have meant a lot more. Pre-election, it's a little late now. Helen Thomas, uh, writing an op-ed piece that appeared uh, in the Sacramento Bee and elsewhere, um, Uh, Last Sunday, she writes for the Hearst Newspapers, said that the Democrats need a backbone. Joe Lieberman, of course, has become a favorite of of the Republicans uh, for being a Republican (laughs) with a Democratic name. But, uh, But Helen Thomas noted that Senator Hillary Clinton, Democrat New York, instead of endorsing universal health care, a topic she knows a lot about, she's instead busy co sponsoring with Senator Robert Bennett, Republican of Utah a law to bar desecration of the flag. Thomas asks, has anyone burned a flag lately? She also notes that while, uh, while Representative Murtha has been joined by House Leader Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from San Francisco, who has endorsed his plan for a pull-up from Iraq within six months, most House Democrats are taking their orders from Republican Rahm Emanuel, Democrat from Illinois, chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and Representative Steny Hoyer from Maryland, second-ranking House Democratic leader who believes in a go-slow strategy. Emmanuel and his cohorts have not only have failed to endorse Murtha, they've put a damper on Howard Dean, chairman of the Democratic National Committee, after he said, the idea we're going to win this war is an ideal that unfortunately is just plain wrong. Anyway, Hillary Clinton <laughs> sent me a, a bumper sticker, re-elect Hillary. Um, you know, I don't live in New York Senator Clinton, I really can't vote for you. And I guarantee, Senator Clinton, that if you and Bob Bennett get your law passed on desecration of the flag, you won't be getting any money from me ever, either. We'd recommend also a great article in uh, the current issue of Radar magazine titled, Whose Party Is It Anyway?, in which they quote former Senator Gary Hart, noting that there was no Democratic leader telling the American people the truth about how the war in Iraq is absorbing so many resources. It's making our country more vulnerable and less secure. And uh, we're just we're out of time here, so let's, uh, let's close with a note that apparently the documentary by Robert Greenwald, The High Cost of Low Price, the documentary on, uh, on Walmart, has been generating a lot of attention. They were noting this in Business Week Online that uh, Walmart's fighting back. <laughs> and, I, and I love this. The company, it said, released an independent study, which it commissioned, that concluded the giant discounters saved U.S. consumers a staggering $263 billion last year. It also found no evidence that Walmart undercuts wages. Well, you know, we decided to, to, to conduct our own independent study here at Radio Parallax. So we paid for one and we told them, you know, we wanted them to be fair. We just had no interest in, 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 in influencing the outcome in any way. And surprisingly, it turns out that Radio Parallax has saved the American consumer over $310 billion last year. The study also found no evidence that we have ever been disrespectful of anyone in positions of power. 
This is Radio Parallax. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. I'm your host, Douglas Everett, and if you'll stay tuned, we'll talk a bit about the passing of an American giant in our next segment, Senator Eugene McCarthy. Mm-hmm. 